Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? In today's episode, I'm joined by one of my best friends, Chase Simmons. Chase and I have been friends for over 14 years now and uh, he was one of the friends that was by my side as I was coming out um, as gay to my friends and to my family. Um, and we've just had a really close bond uh, since that time. Uh, and I wanted to have Chase on today to share a bit about his experience uh, around COVID and um, all of the other things uh, going on in his life and the world at this moment. Uh, Chase's half uh, black and half white. His his mom is white and his dad is black. And so being mixed and uh, just growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood and school definitely brought up some challenges and experiences that weren't always pleasant for him. Uh, but he, he uses humor a lot uh, as a a way to connect with others and that's one of my favorite things about him is just how open and loving and funny and how driven he is to connect with others in this world regardless of their uh, race regardless of their gender orientation um, he just has this huge heart and very optimistic way of seeing things so I'm Excited to share this episode with all of you today. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sam Sebastian, and today I'm joined by my friend, one of my best friends, Chase Simmons. And I really wanted to have him on today just to talk about how he's been doing during COVID. I know that him and I have had quite a few conversations uh, the past couple of months and yeah, just wanted to open up uh, another conversation around his process and um, yeah, anything uh, pertaining to COVID, anything pertaining to um, the current social and civil justice movements, uh, Black Lives Matter movements, um, anything yeah, that's pretty much up for you. Um, I, I asked the question, how are you doing really um, to kind of go in uh, a, on a deeper level of checking in and, and really seeing what's there. So welcome, Chase. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How, um, yeah, how are you doing today? Today, I'm doing pretty well, actually. I'm a little tired um from the holiday weekend and just getting back in the swing of things for from work it's a monday so mondays are always kind of hard but especially if you're coming from a three-day weekend so just trying to get back in that work mentality is always kind of tough but um overall i'm doing pretty well mm -hmm. i know that you just mentioned like going to stay with a friend um in Fresno, where where we met, um, and I'm sure it was pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but also just nice to get away from the city and, and be with friends and just imagine just in a different mindset altogether. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the shelter in place, um, I mean, it's, oh my gosh, it's July. So since March, so it's been quite a long time. And even for me, I actually was sheltered in place, like from work, even before that, because somebody in our office actually um, had COVID before it was like a widespread thing. So our office actually had to shut down a couple weeks before it was like even a big thing in the news or cities um, actually took action to help um, with the safety of everybody. So I feel like I've been kind of trapped at home for quite some time. So um, yeah, we actually drove to Fresno this weekend, Travis and I and our two dogs to go stay with a friend so we can get in some more warmer weather and sit by a pool for the holiday weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it was nice. Yeah, I, I, I listening to you like share about your experience initially um, with having to kind of stop going into work early on, even before like shelter in place started there, you use the word trapped. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious about that. Like how, how that feels like, does it, do you feel trapped at times? And yeah, yeah, uh, I definitely do. And even though I know like it's for my well being and the well being of others, it's definitely, uh, a feeling of being trapped. I'm a very social person, even in my work. I plan events, in-person events for my company. So I'm just used to traveling and being around new people all the time and being very social. So not having that aspect be um, a normal part of my life right now is is very, very different for me and can put me in different states of depression and just a lot to kind of handle. So there's a lot of mental checks that I have to take to like realize that it's that we know it's hopefully going to be not forever, but um, at the same time, I have to take it for like it being a positive thing and not being a negative thing because I definitely can go down a spiral and feel super trapped, but I kind of have to talk myself out of that thinking and kind of realize how lucky I am to be in a place where I am comfortable in, in my home and um, have a partner and have two dogs. So I do have some emotional support there and I'm not like alone or in a place where it's hard to be home or you can't be home. So kind of have to just take that moment to reflect on the things that are good, but there's definitely a feeling of being trapped. And I think that's kind of normal to feel that way and, but it's also a good realization that it's like it could it could be worse. So you have to kind of talk yourself out of that that thinking. Definitely, um, I really appreciate you you sharing that. I I think about um, well, one people. Some people are extroverted. Some people are introverted. And uh, like just knowing you, it, it does seem like you really recharge when you're around other people and you kind of feed off of their energy and. I kind of oscillate between introversion, extroversion, Mm -hmm. maybe lean a little more towards introversion. Mm -hmm. I know for sure I recharge in that way. Um, But it it is something that's real for people and their mental health and making sure that finding like new ways of staying connected or at least like getting out and hanging out with 
other people other than just like our partners or our pets. Um, if like, if we're able to get to that point, I know some people that really like, there's so much fear around getting sick that they mm -hmm. don't even interact like physically with others just because they're, they're so afraid. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the, uh, experience of living in San Francisco and like in an apartment. I feel like for me, I definitely felt like I was trapped just because we were in a, like a one bedroom apartment and just sharing that space 24 seven, like both working and like having to make sure we gave each other enough time and we weren't making so much noise that it was affecting uh, each other's work. And um, yeah, what has that been like for you and, and Travis? Yeah. Um, so we recently moved back to the city in January from Walnut Creek in the East Bay. So in Walnut Creek, we had a lot of space. We had a two bedroom, two bath. And um, looking back now, I was like, well, if I would have known this was all going to go down, we probably would have never moved back to the city because um, we moved back to the city to a much smaller apartment, one bedroom, um, with the hopes of getting back into the city and being able to go out and socialize and go out for dinner every once in a while. So, um, and we both work in the city. So going to the office, you know, throughout the day. So it wasn't really a huge issue to have a smaller place uh, to live. Um, but with that, we actually recently this past weekend moved into a larger space <laughs> kind of because of everything that's going down and, um, making sure that our sanity is there because we are both working from home. We do have two smaller dogs and just being confined to one area is like you said, it feels, it feels like you're trapped, especially um, with multiple people and, and the dogs. And then not only that, it's just if you're working from home and one of us would be working from the bedroom and one of us would be working from the living room. Um, you never get a separation from, from work. So just like seeing your computer, you kind of like have like this, like almost PTSD experience of like, oh shoot, should I be responding to something? Or like, it just never, you never get the chance to kind of escape that. So um, it was kind of important for us when we saw the opportunity to find a bigger space to do so, um, especially since uh, neither of our companies necessarily know when we're going back to an office situation. So mm -hmm. if it does become a thing where we don't have to, it'd be nice to already be set up and adjusted to a larger space. So we are now in a two bedroom, two bath. So we both work out of the same room now, which is interesting. Um, but it's nice because we're not like uh, working out of the spots that we use to relax and recharge. Mm -hmm. It's it's all kind of separated now. So Yeah, I think it's important to kind of create like a container for work and having like a designated space for work and then a designated space for like sleeping and for like relaxing relating um yeah make a huge difference and for for us you know moving up to nevada city from a one-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom house it's just like right. night and day you know and then having space around us in a yard and, and a backyard and yeah, it's it's been a huge like shift for us and for me uh, especially. Like I 
I really do benefit from having alone time. And mm-hmm. I know that, that Finn's, he needs his alone time as well. Um, and he's pretty good about setting like boundaries as we were talking a little bit before we even got on. And I have learned more and more how to do that for myself and, and actually ask for those like times when I need some time to myself. And with with what you were mentioning around being in the city and wanting to move back to the city to just be one closer to work and to like be able to do things in the city that like we used to be able to do like, right. how, how does that have an effect on what you may or may not decide to do in the future to like, if, if things don't kind of normalize and, and open up in that same way, it's like, do you stay in the city or have you talked about moving potentially or, I mean, you just moved. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm not trying to move anytime soon, but um, yeah, we've kind of talked about it. Like, does it make sense to stay in the city? I mean, even now the city is still super expensive and if the opportunity to remote commute is there, why not take the opportunity to explore different parts of um, the country, the state, um, but I think for now, I think we're going to stay in the city. It's actually been kind of a cool experience to be in the city. Um, I run a lot. That's like how I get my alone time. So I do a lot of long distance runs. And um, it's been kind of nice to like see the city kind of still. Um, and it just really uh, revitalizes the reason why I love san francisco so much like it is it is really it's a beautiful city like obviously like anywhere else it has its ups and downs but overall like just the feeling i get about being here is just like i don't know there's just something about it it's home yeah if you can like be yourself like there's a lot of like friends that are there like Mm -hmm. you're close like to your families in a sense like kind of in between where they're at so i i hear that and i lived there for 13 years you know yeah yeah. i i loved it too but i i also felt this like part of me that was like hey like you want something else you want like a slower pace and um so it's been really cool to have have that experience um there was something that i think we may or may not have have talked about kind of segueing into to a different topic um one how has it been for you i know that you attended one of the the protests um Mm -hmm. for the black lives matter movement and i was wondering how that experience was for you and um how how is it going now? Like, are there still protests going on that you're seeing, that you're participating in? And, oh, I just remembered the other thing that I wanted to talk about was in in your work, you know, the role that you're in, um, being half white, half black, and kind of being asked to by your uh, bosses um, to kind of be the person to and help them through this uh, current situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's been a real interesting year with everything that's going on, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, That was like a huge kind of hit when 
the murder of George Floyd went down and things kind of started coming to light for people who weren't necessarily aware of everything, not everything, but the police brutality that was going on. Um, So when that happened, um, and then on top of the pandemic, it was definitely a pretty dark time. But I think at the same time, um, there was a huge light that came from it as well because it shed a lot of light as to what is going on in society and what we have turned a blind eye to as a society for such a long time. So I feel like initially I was super, super angry, um, especially being somebody who is black and my dad's black and all my brothers are black, my family. So it was kind of hard to navigate at first because kind of like you mentioned, I am mixed. So I'm half white, half black. So there's, there's a whole, there's a whole different thing just in that. But, um, but I think trying to navigate those emotions and trying to channel, channel them into positivity have really helped. Um, and kind of like you mentioned at work, I'm part of a group called loud, um, which is a group for people of color. And we've actually kind of stepped in to help our company, um, make some changes um, around social justice and equality. So we've been helping with some initiatives that we can do as a company, which we should have been probably doing from the beginning. Um, We're a fairly new company, so I'm happy we're doing it now and that um, our leadership is very open and accepting of these initiatives. And um, we're going to be rolling them out really soon. And those are around hiring diversity um, changing DNI to D D E and I, which is equity for the E, which um, kind of gets lost a lot of times. Um, so there's a lot of changes there, and I think that has helped me kind of navigate my emotions through this. Is channeling um, what I've been feeling into positivity. Um, I did go to one of the protests here, which was really amazing. Just the energy was amazing. I haven't been to another one since. Um, I've just kind of been focusing on what I can do from home just because of the pandemic as well. So there's that aspect of it. Um, and then just checking in with family, you know, talking, having the conversation there. I've been educating myself by reading different books. Um, I'm just finishing White Fragility right now, which has been interesting um, because it's kind of it's coming from like a white standpoint and how... Um, how to discuss race or how, how things have evolved. So reading that has been an interesting perspective. Um, so I'm kind of excited to conclude that one. And it's actually, um, after I started reading it, my work actually ha- is reading that for their book club. So it'll be interesting to join that conversation at the end of the month to see um, what everybody has to say about it. Yeah, I mean... There's there's so much there that uh, what you just shared and growing up and having uh, a white mom and a, a a black dad like I'm sure you well I I can't speak for you so I'm I'm, I'm curious like yeah what that experience was like for you and where where you may have felt 
like you fit in and where you maybe didn't fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, And even within family dynamics, if that, if that was the case, Um, because I, I think that I, I don't know if I told you, I I read Trevor Noah's born a crime. Yeah. 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 And, and that book just like, whoa, I had no idea that that's what happened there in South Africa. And like he literally, because he was half white and half black is, was literally a crime. Um, Mm -hmm. hence the name of the book born a crime. And, and, you know, he uses a lot of humor in it and, I think that humor is great, you know, like it, it helps us to kind of like dispel some of that like anger or fear or whatever emotions are, are in us and um, not to just make light of a situation, but but to kind of like say, yes, like this is the, the circumstances and like there can be humor in this and there can also be anger in this and there can also be um, yeah, all, all, all sorts of emotions. And yeah, for your experience, like, I'm curious what that was like. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting growing up, uh, mixed, uh, I'm from the central coast of California. So predominantly like liberal, but there's still some conservativeness there. So, um, it was always kind of a challenge, um, because my parents also had me super young. So I lived with my grandma and my mom and then her siblings um, growing up. So I was part of a predominantly white family at that point. I mean, my dad was obviously around, um, but it was definitely interesting to be with my white family and then going to family functions with my black family. Um, It was just like a whole different world. So when I started going to grade school and I went to a school that was predominantly white, um, it was kind of a, that same kind of like, where do you fit in? Like there are two different worlds here kind of applied there too. Cause I wasn't the only um, black kid in school, but there wasn't a lot of us. And, uh, you definitely stood out and you would have to find ways to kind of fit in. May that be through like humor, which you kind of mentioned a lot of times. If you make people laugh, there's usually are not going to make fun of you or ask you crazy questions about (laughs) why your hair looks a certain way or (laughs) why you're darker than Mm -hmm. them or, Mm -hmm. or what. So I think that was a huge part of my way of coping actually was, was through humor. Um, and then as I got older and sort of realizing, I guess, the, mm, I don't know what the best word to use for the, the feeling, but realizing that you were different um, and that it actually meant something to other people, not necessarily in a positive way, um, was kind of challenging. Like I've been called the N word numerous times in school by adults outside of school. Um, I've been walking home from school and a truck tried to like scare me and run me off the road one time. Um, so I, it's funny to like say that you're mixed because there's, there's times where you identify how the world sees you. And that's why I've always just kind of said, that I'm black because that's kind of 
where I found like my, my safe space is not a lot of other people on my mom's side can really, you know, I, you know, uh, relate to the things I've gone through. Like, yeah, like, like my family on my dad's side or my friends that are, are black. So, um, I've always just kind of identified as black from junior eye on standard tests, everything. So yeah. it, it's definitely an interesting world to navigate being mixed race, especially with uh, black and white and uh, in America where you're just polar opposites of the way the world sees you sometimes. And um yeah, and yeah, just given given the history, you know, of what what's happened in our country, and uh, I like I just think about what you shared around being called the N word and like having people like threaten your life while you're just walking and along the road, you know, and I I think that there's like this like it's it's kind of been part of like the collective consciousness in a way in in America I think and um as time has gone on and and people stand up and fight for their rights and mm-hmm. what's happening right now with the whole like we are not going to like stop until people start to be held accountable for their actions and for what they're saying. Right. And it's what's crazy is like to have some people who are in power that are like siding with being able to, to say these things, whatever they want and, and truly think that white people are like the Supreme race. And it's just, it's kind of disheartening to, to know that, that, exists and and i think about like the word compassion and i i wonder for you and and i can share from my experience like having compassion for myself and for others um and and what that that for me it's not always easy because there is a lot of built up anger inside of me and there is a lot of like pain and and hurt you know from what's happened to me throughout my life and Mm -hmm. just being also a person of color and i think i've shared this before on the podcast i like I, i do and have struggled with internalized racism Mm -hmm. myself and Mm -hmm. and i i and also I know that I, I play a role in um, participating or perpetuating uh, systemic racism and just trying to to find compassion for myself, not like beat myself up over it. And then also even for people who are saying some of the most outrageous and just like inhumane things or, or doing the, the most inhumane things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm trying to, to find compassion for them. And I'm curious how that process is for you. Is that something that you feel is accessible in this moment or you like still just like dealing with that anger and just like frustration? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like 
I feel like I try to use that feeling of anger or um, being enraged with something. I really try to focus it on something that could be positive because if it, I, it's really hard to like stay angry and mad. Like I feel like nothing will change if you don't do anything with those feelings. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, the whole having compassion and empathy goes two ways. So you can't expect somebody to have compassion and empathy for you if you're not having compassion and empathy for them. Um, like it's, it definitely is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, especially, um, with Travis's family, a lot of them are more on the conservative side, so they don't really necessarily understand everything that's going on or why things are the way they are, why the black lives lives movement is, um, doing the things that we're doing and, trying to have those conversations could be really difficult to navigate. But at the same time, if you don't have the conversations and take the opportunity to listen and um, help educate, then it's like nothing's going to get done. So me staying angry, I think, is not necessarily healthy for me because I feel like if I'm angry, I kind of shut down. So the moment I start feeling angry, I try to like, okay, what can I do with this energy right now that can... Mm -hmm help me bring light to something else. So, and I also feel like we're in a huge culture of canceling everybody who does something wrong. And like for certain instances, yeah, of course. But I also think like if you don't give the opportunity for somebody to learn or educate themselves or give them the opportunity to do better or uh, turn it around or learn from the mistakes they made, then there's never going to be any change at all. So... (laughs) Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the, the cancel, the canceling of people for doing, doing wrong all the time. I mean, I believe in second chances and I feel like we should be able to honestly apologize if we do something wrong and learn from those mistakes and move forward. But also those, there's those who don't mean it when they apologize and they continue to do things that are not, um, necessarily like in a in a great path so there's that too but i always think giving people the benefit of the doubt is is always a good thing unless they unless they prove you wrong again Mm -hmm. i think about like your relationship with travis and him being white and Mm -hmm. also what you mentioned about his family being conservative and finn had asked me shortly after um george floyd's murder like how like how am i contributing to the dynamic in which you may be uh experiencing like my whiteness kind of overpowering who you are as a latino Mm -hmm. and and i'm yeah i wonder like what I can say for for me, there there definitely are experiences where I notice Finn gets a little more or a lot more attention or like he's addressed and I'm not necessarily and we're both there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this experience with a friend in San Francisco 
where I had purchased something from a store and I was taking it back and I brought uh, my friend uh, David with me and he's like blonde hair, blue eyed. And we like, I bought the item from the store owner and the store owner in the process of like returning things was talking to my friend David about the return Mm -hmm. policy and as if I wasn't even there. And I was just blown away. I was just like, what the heck? Like, why aren't you talking to me? Like it's, it's us. And I, and I called it when it happened and I Mm -hmm. was just like, Hey, can, can you address me? Like we're the ones that should be talking about this. Um, And that's just one example, but I'm, I I wonder like, has that shown up in, in your relationship in any kind of way? With Travis? Yeah. Um, nothing at, like, well, I guess it kind of is. It's kind of funny. We we're actually shopping one time, and this was in Walnut Creek. And um, there were these two older ladies, and they were shopping, and she had her purse in the shopping cart, like in the baby carriage part. And uh, Travis had walked by. I had, like, I was on the other aisle or something looking at something. But I had like started walking and I saw Travis like walk, walk by them and nothing happened. And I walked by and I literally heard one of the ladies say, oh, you can't leave your purse unattended like that. And I was just like, whoa, like literally a second before I walked by, Travis walked by and not one thing was like said or mentioned. And it could just be a coincidence. Maybe they didn't notice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like something in that vein that has happened but Travis has been really really supportive during these times and I feel like he is very aware of his privilege and he does a lot to like educate himself and he does a lot of reading and he asks a lot of questions um so he's a very very supportive partner especially during these times and has been really great with helping me navigate with his family and um, when his mom visits or, um, yeah, he's been a real, really great support. Um, mm. But luckily, I, I personally haven't noticed too much if, if other than that one incident um, of any kind of, like, discrimination between the two of us, like, people um, being more prone to uh, acknowledge him than me. Um, I'm also a very boisterous and loud person, so it's very hard for you not to pay attention to me <laughs> in public settings. But um, but yeah, there was that one incident, and it does stick out to me all the time. Because um, I've had an incident like that happen when I was younger, too, that my I, I, I actually don't remember it. My mom always reminds me about it. Um, when I was, I think as she said, I was three or four and she worked in a restaurant at the time and I was sitting on the, on the breakfast counter and this older gentleman who was white asked if I was, um, a, a black baby. And my mom's like, oh yeah, he's mixed. He's mine. And, um, she like turned away and turned around and caught him like trying to like push me off the counter. And. I don't remember this at all, but she remembers it. And she tells me all the time, I think just kind of as a lesson, like you never just know. I don't, yeah, it was just so interesting. 
And I guess the chef had to come out from behind the back and like kick him out of the restaurant and stuff. But it's something that really sticks out in her brain. And she always kind of reminds me of it just to kind of be careful and just guess remember that not everybody out there is is as accepting as you would, as you would think. So yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. Like I think about it now and I'm like, I'm kind of remember, I like maybe I blocked it out, but yeah, I'm very happy. I don't remember that in detail because yeah, very traumatic incident. Man. And, and your mom <clears throat> just knowing her and like how much she loves you and loves all of your brothers and your dad. And it's just like, I, I see her as like your biggest advocate and, yeah. and also like guardian and man, oh, like just for anybody to threaten her baby's life, your life, like, yeah, oof. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, that's a lot to like take in. It is. And every time she tells me, I, I like, I, I almost can't believe it even though it was like me, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, I know that wasn't a relative to Travis, but I just popped up in my brain, but yeah, yeah. no. And I, I fully like support that organicity of, of that coming from the, what we were talking about previously. And I, I know that like your your reading and and like holding this pillar in in your job and uh, continuing to educate yourself and I like I find myself doing the same thing like I, I feel like it's really important right now to educate myself around racism and all the different components that go into it I, I think it's just there's so many layers to it mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm and and how to heal um some of the emotional like trauma that's there um addressing like the systems that are in play Mm -hmm. um yeah i I forgot a a couple other points a friend of mine just sent me this email and he was like hey i'm starting these groups this discussion groups i'm going to be reading these different books and Uh, He's a therapist and has just like these different points that the books will kind of address in a way and then invite conversations around. So it's, it's been really beautiful to witness like people really like finally listening and finally, Mm -hmm. and myself included, you know, I'm finally seeing things. It's like, how many times do I have to see same thing and actually see it you know it's it's like yeah. things are put in front of us so much and it it finally like it finally hit and landed and um i i think about still how how much like work and how much more there is to to be addressed and i um I think it, it it's there's a part of me that's like still kind of just grieving and and like sad um that this is the reality. Yeah. But I'm also really hopeful, you know, and mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of people out there that are hopeful. They're hopeful for 
a, a change. And, and I think that's what's really happening. There is a shift that's happening. Um, and I hope that we are going to be around for more of that and, and hopefully get to help shape some of that. And with, whether it's within our own friendships, our own families, um, I think that's really the place that it's going to start and we'll need to kind of move from so much is ingrained in, in our family systems. Um, sure. And I, I don't know if I, I told you this, I haven't, so I haven't seen my parents since my brother's funeral and mm-hmm. what was that January? Um, and they're actually moving uh, to Las Vegas. Oh, they are. Um, yeah. So they're, they put the house up for sale last week and it sold already oh, wow. and they're already packing. And so with, with the whole like COVID situation, I've yeah. been really like apprehensive around going and visiting. Although I, I feel like I really haven't been interacting with many people up here. So um, I'm hoping that I'll, I'll get to see them this weekend before they make the move um but i yeah I, I also think about this experience that i had when i was younger and i was in um was in a a like a aerostar minivan i think is what it was if you remember those and <laughs> yeah. we we were my dad's friend from venezuela was visiting um his name's leo and we went to a beach and I think it was New Newport Beach. And I remember having this, like there's a lot of like, just like fear from what I remember and, and from that experience. But we were, we were looking for a parking spot and there was, there was one and there was a group of guys who were in the parking spot and they were blacker um, people of color, and my dad kind of drove up, and he was like, "Hey, you know, can we park there?" And they were talking and just kind of leaning up against their car, and f- for whatever reason, like they weren't going to move. My dad was getting angry. He was like yelling at them. I'm in the car with my mom, like, I don't even know how old I was, maybe like five or six. And I just remember like being so scared because I I noticed my dad getting angry. And I also noticed the guys getting angry and them yelling at each other and um, just not knowing what to say or even fully understanding what was happening. Um, but I, I just know it just brought up so much fear in me. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I remember, I think that my dad's friend got my dad to calm down and was like, hey, let's just go. Like, this isn't worth it. Don't, like, just just go. You, you have us in the car. You have your family. Like, it's not worth it to get into this confrontation or a potential fight over a parking spot. And that experience really impacted me. Um, 
Because it, what it did is it instilled a lot of fear, and and I, I think because you know because of who they were and and like seeing the anger, like it it automatically like put this fear in me uh, around black men. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's not just black men, it's men in general, especially men who kind of have a certain kind of persona to them and hold themselves in a certain way, just because I've had multiple experiences with men just kind of being aggressive and kind of angry towards me. And that's just, I think really because of that experience when I was younger, it's just instilled so much fear. So it's, it's something that I've been working with, with my therapist, but I, I think of just how experiences like that and, and also just I haven't talked to my dad to understand fully his experience and what that was like to, to hear more of his what was going on for him. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm filling in the blanks with whatever I'm creating the story to be. Right. But I, I do know that like he, he came from Venezuela and there's a lot of people that immigrated to Venezuela. So you have European immigrants, you have African immigrants, you have Asian immigrants that are there and Venezuelans that are light skinned to really dark skinned, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I think about how like our, our country is similar, you know, like it's comprised of a bunch of immigrants, you know? And, um, the the racism that that happens because of the color of of people's skin, it's just like it. It really just saddens me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hundred percent. It's it's a very strange dynamic i would say um but you know especially in the united states there's just been so many things for so many years that have really built the structure for for that for that kind of racism or thought process or the way people of color are viewed in the media or um, even in movies and mm-hmm. whatnot. So it's like, there's definitely, I guess, a stigma, you know, mm-hmm. that has just been kind of veiled over. I mean, I, I'm sure it's like past the United States. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. There's, there's racism everywhere. But um, I think especially here, there is just this weird. We, you, you think about like our our friend Mark and how like we use the term dark mark in the past and and it's like it, it's not a thing but I it what when it really landed for me was when my our, our friend Sean you know like he he told me he's like I didn't want to be referred to as Asian Sean anymore like that's not who I wanted to be Mm-hmm. referred mm-hmm. to as and I wanted to create a different thing so I did that and I put out like horny Sean rather than Asian Sean 
so that people would refer to me as that other than 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 being asian and and i i just it, it really like i it took me into this space of like how like where else has this happened and how have i contributed to that yeah and then yeah part of me is like well i'm a person of color and i've been discriminated against and so i i feel like i can i can somewhat say those things and it's like no it's not okay yeah i've i've definitely done that kind of reflection as well like I don't think anybody expects anybody to be perfect, especially when it comes to such a complex uh, topic like this one. I think it's kind of like what you and I are doing now, reflecting on thing that's, things that we have may have done in the past and what can we do now in the future to make change for the better. Because you can't necessarily change the past. You only have the future to make better. So mm-hmm. what can we do now? Um, even as people of color, we all <laughs> do stupid things or have said stupid things in the past or think certain ways about different people. And it's just kind of breaking down those barriers and recognizing what it is we're doing. And if you're having a thought, okay, what took me to that thought? Why did I think that? Mm-hmm. And just kind of having that conversation with yourself or with somebody else, like have that conversation mm-hmm. with somebody else. Um, that way you can just really, you know, recognize those patterns in yourself or and help others do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think like acknowledging it and, and recognizing those patterns, like that's oh, one of the things that I, I've, been doing like even in my relationship with Finn, just noticing mm-hmm. how like in my past in relationships when things got hard or when I got to this point where I was like, okay, the novelty is no longer there. I want something else. So my pattern would be, okay, start looking elsewhere or sabotage mm-hmm. the relationship somehow mm-hmm. so that you can get out of it. And it's, it's like, those are the easy ways out. But they're always like, if I were to do that in this relationship, it's going to show up in my next relationship. And it's going to keep showing up until I finally address it and recognize it. And I'm able to be like, no, I'm not going to go down that path again. I'm going to shift and try something new or try something else that really works for me. It's going to be supportive in my growth and, and not like progressing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard thing as humans to recognize when we're, that we're faulty. (laughs) That we're not perfect. That we're not perfect. perfect. (laughs) I feel like that should be like the new like equation, like human equals not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Because we get it in our brain that we have to be. It's expectations and expectations can be dangerous and they can also be good, mm-hmm. but having expectations to live up to somebody else's expectations is when they become dangerous. It's you have to have expectations for yourself and what you want to be and what you want to do and what you want to feel. And 
really focus on those. And I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with like recognizing certain behaviors or recognizing certain thoughts or being able to point out your own flaws. Like, do I expect myself to keep on making this, (laughs) making this choice or do I want to do better? So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think about just friendships, relationships, like we're mirrors for each other. Yeah. Like we, we see these things and, we're, we're there hopefully in, in the relationships that we're in, like we're, we're doing that work with each other, you know? And I think going back to like just ways of coping with things, um, for me, I like going kind of inward and isolating has been a coping mechanism. And mm-hmm. this past week, you know, I, I went through some like really severe, low back pain. And I was talking to my chiropractor today. I, I got a x-ray last week and I'm doing way better right now. Um, and, and I was, I was, he, he was mentioning, well, if you have a, a disc that's slightly bulging and, and I was like, well, what else would it be? You know, like, I, I don't understand, like what else would cause this much pain? And he was like, well, you know, there's the emotional component, you know, and, and that can really manifest as pain. And, and I think back to just some really big processes that I've been through in my life. And a lot of the time, like that pain in my back comes up during those times. Um, so I, I've really just been trying to sit with that a bit more and, and see like what, what's there, you know, what, yeah. what is there. And, for me, like being in this um, process of of not being able to work with people in person and in the way that I was before yeah. has really like my like security, my my groundedness is like not fully there. Like there, I'm getting financial support from the government right now, right? But up until when? And and that's like. It's, it's something that like having to rely on, on somebody else to support me has not really been something that I've done since I was younger. So I, I'm, I'm finding like how much fear and insecurity comes up when I'm in the situation and I'm trying not to just go down that like spiral that I could easily go down yeah, and, and think of like other possibilities, you know, and, and really just use this time that I've had to create more and, and to stay in a space where I'm like, okay, what are the other possibilities? What are things that I haven't even like tried before Yeah, uh, that I feel really passionate about? And, and that's what I'm, I'm loving about this process is, that I, it, it, I kind of find myself going into like the pain kind of suffering and then I come back out and I'm like, Ooh, okay. Like, Whoa, there's so much out here. So much possibility. And yeah. I kind of dip back into that pain and suffering <laughs> and then come back out. And it's just been mind blowing to kind of watch myself through this whole process a bit more. Yeah. I've definitely felt that, um, roller coaster of emotions as well. Like, mm the definite highs and lows. And you brought up an interesting point about like uh, not being able to be independent, like sparked this like fear and um, 
So I think that's a, another thing that I think a lot of us are learning right now is that like, just because you need to ask for help or you do need to rely on somebody for something or even just like emotional help or a phone call. Like, I think those are things that are coming out a lot recently. I mean, I've also have felt the same way, but we have a job right now. So that's like the income part is not there, but it's like, if I did lose my job, like my biggest fear would be like, Oh, can I take care of myself? Like, I Mm -hmm. obviously don't want to ask anybody like other people are struggling too, or Mm -hmm. with any component. But I've, I also recognize that like, just because you ask for help or need to reach out, doesn't necessarily like signify weakness either, or like there Mm -hmm. should be fear in that. So yeah, I I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I've learned so far in life is like it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to ask for support, especially when we need it. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. It's scary yeah. for me, at least, to yeah. do that. Oh, uh, the same. The same. <laughs> Definitely cool. is. I um I wanted to, I, I like to ask uh, just like a final question with guests. Uh, so what, what's coming to mind for me is like, like if you could say something to that, that man that was going to push you off the counter as you were a baby. Now, what, what would you say to him? It's hmm, a great question. I've never actually really thought about that. I think the only thing that really would make the most sense now would just to ask him why or what would make him want to do something like that. Mm. Just to get a, I mean, understand why. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's really like a statement or anything I can make that would like resolve any like feelings I I mean I don't remember it but that would resolve any feelings for maybe my mom or something but just to understand why mm-hmm. if you would want to do something like that or yeah, like where he was coming from where he's yeah yeah mm. yeah <sighs> I um I'm I'm really 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 grateful for you uh, just coming on today and, and sharing so openly um, about your experiences and just what came from the conversation. It was just, I love talking to you and love that love we got to do to this too. together. So <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love you so much and I too. really look up to you and just, I appreciate your, um, your optimism and your perspective on life and what you've you've had to navigate and what you've helped me navigate in life and i um i always just hold you in my heart (laughs) so love you sammy i love you too (laughs) thank you all so much for listening today If any of you'd like to find out more about the work that I do, you can go to samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. 
And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email. That's sam at samsebastian.com. Much love.